the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast 36 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Of course, the Briefcast want to come to you guys solo without my special teams unit. And uh, I assure you that they are chomping at the bit to get involved because it is football season and we have a great show for you. Want to thank you so much for finding us. I don't know how you have, but I want to remind you that you can go to all things Devin Wade at wadeswordproductions.com. That's W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S. Wadeswordproductions.com for everything, including the We the People segment, uh, editorials, which this time out includes all of our NFL picks. I have picks from Chili Bill Smith, from Biscuit, from the Silver Fox Kevin Allen, from Eddie Robinson. And, of course, my picks are there. And the legend, Ralph Cooper, his picks are there as well. That's on the editorial page under Sports Talk with Devin Wade. All that under the big umbrella that is Wade's Word Productions. Please go and sign up for the newsletter so I can fill you in on what's new and what's coming up so you can be in the loop for whatever it is we do when we do it. And, again, that's wadeswordproductions.com. Also, you can give us a call 24 hours a day if you have comments i will be eliciting your response on a number of things but you can always call 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 you can call make your comment 24 hours a day it's our sports talk line and uh, that way if i want to or if i'm able to or if it's a really compelling comment we can include you on the next podcast so again 832-941-6614 and if all else fails you can hit me up on social media the sports talk with devin wade page and group on facebook and on twitter at wade's word that's w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d so all of those things are going on and that is what we have now this time out i have what's brand new want to fill you in on some uh, some health issues for me in addition to that i'm going to give you my thoughts on the headlines nfl week one and even before we got to the games or we got to the majority of the games we had some drama want to get into the antonio brown stuff get into uh, texas southern a little bit as well in addition to that we have a D-Nice segment. Now, that's new. This is when I recognize who got off this weekend and not who wasn't just nice, but they were D-Nice. Now, that's coming up as well. Then we'll take a time out, hear from our DJ, DJ Anarchy. And on the other side, we will hear an interview with Coach uh, with Bethune-Cookman head coach, Terry Sims. He'll get us filled in on the Wildcats of Bethune-Cookman. And we talked a little bit about the Swag Meak Challenge, his days at Texas Southern University, and uh, a whole lot more. So that's coming up in the second half. Then we have Alamon Award. And that's when we uh, recognize the big dummy of the week. And, of course, uh, before I let go. So all that's going on. want to remind you, if you're an artist of any kind and you want your music played on our podcast, just hit me up. 
Devin at WadesWordProductions.com. Shoot me an email. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point. And, of course, uh, a larger portion or whole song or a portion of a mix at the end of an episode. So that's Devin at WadesWordProductions.com. So that's a lot of information to digest. So if you need to rewind, do that so you can communicate. See, all of this is designed so you can connect with me and I can connect with you. So with that, let's get started with what's brand new. What's brand new with me is many of you got a chuckle out of the last episode in which I talked about how I really severely injured myself on a garden hoe. Now, had this been on a on on the vine or on uh, Instagram or any other a world star, po- people would have really gotten a, a kick out of it. But it was terrifying for the moment. It was man, I thought, man, I really thought that I was messed up. But I pressed on. I did the Friday Express. I did KTSU Sports Talk the next morning, and I did the Labor Day Classic. All while wounded, but that's okay. I was pressed into duty and I handled my business like the true trooper that I am. Well, the leg ballooned on me. It looked really bad and grotesque. Although I did not break the patella, I thought I did. I'm telling you, I thought I did. And everything was fine. We moved on. You guys got a laugh out of it. I had a, a nice little anecdote that I could share. And all in the world is fine, was fine until Thursday night. Thursday night. I look down and my foot is swollen and bruised. Keep in mind, didn't injure my foot, didn't trip, didn't do anything to my foot. This, it, it was, but nonetheless, it was swollen, it was bruised. So uh, I worried about what you worry about in those situations, a blood clot. So I went to the ER Friday, and uh, I'll tell you what. Instead of me going to my primary physician like everybody told me, hey, you need to go get that checked out, especially the few of those who saw pictures. Now, I was tempted for a second to share those on social media, but I thought better of it because no one wants to see my battered and bruised knee first and then foot. Uh, You know, I have a foot thing anyway, so I certainly was not going to share pictures of my foot. But all of my family and friends say, hey, you need to go get that checked out. Didn't do it. Didn't want to go to my primary physician. Ended up in the ER, and they did an ultrasound and an x-ray. And it turns out that I'm good. But gravity is sort of uh, all the fluid and the, I guess, the bruising and the blood that went from, from the knee. This sort of gravity took place and took it all the way down to my foot foot is still bruised but i'm moving around okay and i will i have a compression sock that i put on so if you see me in flip-flops and one compression sock it's not a fashion statement it's me trying to deal with this lingering injury now i could have went to my primary physician but like most of you i didn't go because i don't want to hear hey you got to do better but guess what the er doctor said hey D-Wade, you got to do better. Hence, I'm eating red quinoa, kale, and a tuna filet tonight without a lot of seasoning. So, But nonetheless, I'm good. I'm, and I'm, I want you to enjoy the laugh that you had at my expense um, because it didn't turn out to be anything uh, serious. So with that, let's get into some headlines. And before I get started with headlines, I just want to remind all of you guys who are new listeners to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast that I am keenly aware that I'm using an outdated sound effect 
uh, to represent headlines. However, uh, most people don't even know what that sound is. That's the sound of a ticker tape, and you don't know what that is. If you don't know, then you certainly uh, don't realize how outdated it is. But I don't know what else to, what other thing that I could come up with that will represent headlines. Maybe I'll improve on that, but I kind of like the old school kind of reference to back in the day. Uh, like they did in uh, the opener of Thursday Night Football, uh, where Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and even Michelle Tafoya uh, sort of uh, <laughs> sort of wore 30s gear to represent the uh, to help celebrate the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And I'll get into the NFL and some of that stuff in just a second. But first and foremost, I want to talk Texas Southern Tiger football. I went on the road as they traveled to San Antonio to take on the University of Incarnate Word. And I try to tell kids all the time how unique each and every game is when, you know, when we're training the students and, and all those things. You, you explain to them that each and every game is different and has a different personality. And in 27 seasons, or what, 26 and 2 11th of calling Texas Southern Tiger football. I have never seen a game quite like this one where it was a blowout and then it wasn't a blowout and then it was a blowout again. The Tigers fall 63 to 44. And, you know, there are reasons uh, to be optimistic, but uh, essentially what happened was Incarnate Word got off to a really rapid start and it looked like, oh boy, this thing is going to be out of control. Then the Tigers responded. And then Incarnate Word roared back before the end of the first half. Uh, the score at halftime was 42-17. And you say, oh, man, this is going to be a mama game. And I, I always talk about mama games. Mama games are, are when guys on deep, deep, deep down on the bench get to say, hey, mama, I got a chance to play. <laughs> mama, I got in the game. And you thought it was going to be a mama game, but lo and behold, the Tigers roared back in the third quarter, outscoring the Cardinals 20-7 to and got to within 12 points. And really, you know, they controlled things on the outside but couldn't quite really stop them and turnovers and miscues got in the way. Couldn't stop uh, John Copeland, the quarterback. He uh, had 344 yards and five touchdowns. And for the second week in a row, man, the Tigers got killed in their ground game. So they didn't run the ball well at all. Uh, last week, almost had a 200-yard rusher. This week, a couple guys went off. Two guys went off for over 100 yards, including Amir King, who had 14 carries for 157 yards. But on the bright side, hey, the Tigers did work with uh, Trendavian Dixon, the wide receiver, eight receptions, 221 yards, and two touchdowns. And DeAndre Johnson looked pretty good. Again, things look well for him. Uh, and uh, also, the kid, Owens, the running back, Owens, he got off. Uh, he had a big fumble. That, that hurt them. And But he came back and responded and rushed for like 100 yards himself. So he did well. So it was all in all. It, you know, this is the second game under the Clarence McKinney of the Clarence McKinney era. And, uh, you know, they're trying to figure this thing out. Uh, I'm talking about Ladarius Owens, 14 carries, 94 yards. So, uh, and he had two touchdowns. So, a lot of big numbers uh, on the offensive side, but the Tigers have to sure up that run defense. So, uh, if you uh, want to talk swag, of course, KTSU Sports Talk on 90.9 KTSU each and every Saturday, 8.30 until 10. 10 a.m. Central, so you definitely can check that out. So Tigers are on the road to visit the University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, 
And so it's going to be another tall task for the Tigers. Well, the headlines are all surrounding the NFL. And before we could even really get all the games underway, Antonio Brown debacle. And now I have a lot of thoughts about Antonio Brown's situation. And it just seems like, I mean, you went, the spectrum on him is just vast. You have some people saying that, man, he is Floyd Mayweather-like brilliant in orchestrating himself out of Oakland and going to the New England Patriots where he wanted to go all along. And then you have other people who said, man, this dude is mentally ill. Maybe he needs to get checked out. But most people fall in the middle of those two extremes. I do too as well. But I just thought initially this guy, my whole thing was, and we talked about this Saturday morning before he was released, just get him to the field. And I I said that if you were going to take this guy on, if this was the guy you were going to team up with, don't confront him. Let Treat him like Dennis Rodman. Kind of let him do what he does, show up on sat, on Sundays to play ball. Now, again, he's always been well prepared. He's, in, he's a hard, hard worker. He's in great shape. But he's a diva to the 10th power. He's like, uh, you know, on that next level. When you think divas in the NFL, he's on that next level. He has uh, entered the pantheon of great divas and just really, really wants to be, I don't know, coddled. Uh, left alone. I don't know what he wanted, but Oakland played good cop, bad cop, and John Gruden was the good cop, and Mike Mayock, the general manager, was the bad cop, and they find the guy, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to throw away this $31 million guaranteed and take my chances on the street. And maybe he had some communications on the back channels, but he was signed before he was able to sign and with the New England Patriots. And, I, you know, this is what I told my co-host, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. I said, two, there are three cities he can't go to. He can't go to Pittsburgh because he ruined his relationship there. Obviously, they want him out of Oakland, and he can't go to New England. I said they'll cut him while he's on the plane to get to New England. Now, it'll remain to be seen if he ever sees the field with him. But he, I mean, he knows what it is. And this is going to tamp down his personality like it did Chad Ochocinco, like it did Randy Moss, like it did a lot of guys. So we'll have to see because Michael Bennett is on that team as well. And, I mean, the Patriot way is this big thing, the Patriot way. But Bill Belichick knows that they were deficient in wide receiver. Speaking of which, they shipped Demarius Thomas to the Jets for a fifth-round draft pick. And now they have Josh Gordon, Edelman, and, of course, Antonio Brown to pick up slack for a retired Rob Gronkowski. But this dude, you know, I want people to understand this. And there are a lot of people cheering for this foolishness, for what he did. Because you don't want to follow the rules. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not a, I'm not a rule follower by nature. I'm just not. But it was so stupid to do this. And it's fine. It'll work out for him. And that's fine. But you don't want this to be an example for other kids who will end up throwing away opportunities, whether they be scholarships, whether they be a high school, a chance to play on the high school level. Kids will emulate this kind of stupidness and be out of the game. It, it makes me think of a song Little Wayne had, uh, Duffel Bag Boy. And he talked about, I've never, ever ran 
and I, whatever, whatever. I forget the, the lyrics, but I never, never ran. And and I'm not gonna start running now. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. So you and I always said, man, he got a bunch of folks jumped on and hurt real bad because they want to live the lyrics to this song. Well, I don't advise people living the example set by Antonio Brown. Look. You got what you wanted. You and I gave you credit for forcing your way with the theatrics, forcing your way out of Pittsburgh so you can get more money and get more guaranteed money. Oakland gave you that and still you weren't happy. And I it just was ridiculous and it was embarrassing. And and I just think that it's money is masks a lot of things. So a lot of people will look back and say, well, it, it, say if he goes to New England, has a good season, and they pick up an option, and he ends up getting as much or more guaranteed money. There's still no excuse for the lack of character and the foolishness. Now, now look, let me tell you this, and I understand this, because one of my best friends in life is a former NFL receiver, and he hates the NFL. <laughs> I mean, he cannot stand what the owners do because it's a dirty, dirty business. So I'm not saying be you have to be noble to these guys that are owners that are cutthroat. We saw what they've done with Colin Kaepernick, and I've seen a lot of things. I've heard a lot of stories of what happens behind the scenes and how they really affect these guys' money. They damage them, they use them, and they throw them out. So this is not about his interaction with them. It's about his interaction as a man. I just think that that was really, really crazy. He didn't. He did not look mentally competent in a lot of ways. And, and again, I, it's hard for me because I hate hearing people call him stupid or insult his intellect. I hate that. But if you look at the behavior and you running around celebrating, Grandma, they cut me. Grandma, they cut me. And you just, you're just thrilled. You're over the moon to be out of Oakland when you really could have an opportunity to to do your thing. And, and really, on a team that, that needed you, you could provide the thing that they needed. You go to New England and they don't need you, boss. I mean, they need you in that they need a receiver. But they hey, they have their pelts on the wall. They have their Super Bowl rings. If Tom Brady never wins another game, he's one of the best one or two quarterbacks of all time. And, and Belichick clearly to me is the best coach of all time. So they don't need Antonio Brown for that. You'll be a footnote one way or the other. And you know, you can go on and do some great things just like Randy Moss did, but didn't win a Super Bowl. And even if you go on to win a Super Bowl, again, your footnote on this bandwagon that has, has been running rampant for 20 years in the NFL, but you had an opportunity to really make your mark in Oakland and, and whatever. You, you can do whatever you want to do, but that just wasn't the way to handle things. It's just really, really a bad example to a lot of people. Now, again, I, I'm not holier than that. I I am. I get a a, a B plus in ignorance sometimes. I really do. Um, but I, and and I co-sign on a lot of ignorance. And, and and it's fun to do. But this situation, AB, you were out of line. But it turns out the Raiders didn't need him. They win opening night, and uh, a lot going on in the NFL, of course. Uh, the Texans come up short against the New England Saints last night. And you know what upsets me about that? is that the Bill O'Brien Texans did exactly what they are designed to do. So 
a lot of folks thought, okay, you're going to New Orleans. New Orleans should have been in the Super Bowl last year. They were robbed. You're going to open up the season in the Superdome. It's going to be crazy in that place. You're going to get blown out. And the, well, that's what I thought. Most people thought they would get blown out. I, honestly, you know, coming off all of these trades on August 31st and the injury to Lamar Miller and blah, 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 and you're working in Laramie Tunzel and, and Kenny Stills. And, I mean, all of those things, you say, okay, they're going to get blown out. What do they do? provide a, just a, an electrifying performance, especially at the end of the game. But as the Texans do, they blew the game. They, I mean, you know, what they did was they, I mean, what you saw on both sides, really they never should have had a chance to be in that game because I blame New Orleans. New Orleans was made some really poor decisions down the stretch. You don't match up good with all of that talent at wide receiver for the Texans. You're not that good in the secondary. So you blitz. Okay, you blitz down the stretch. Instead, when, again, keep in mind, Texans didn't have any timeouts with under a minute left. You needed a touchdown. All you have to do is you can give up yards but keep everything in front of you. What did they do? They blitzed. Okay, so you take your chance. You say, I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to blitz. I'm going to shoot my shot. You blitz. You get burned by DeAndre Hopkins. So what do you do the very next play? You come back and blitz again. And I just thought it was a really dumb move. And then then Forbearing, uh, the kicker for the Texans, uh, he missed the extra point. But there was a penalty roughing the kicker. And what would have been a game that have, had gone into overtime tied at 27, Texans got the re-kick, took the lead. And many of you know how they played out. And then, of course, Drew Brees did what he did. But the Texans played tremendously soft, too soft. <laughs> I mean, so you saw extremes on both sides. You saw the Saints blitz when they shouldn't have blitzed. And you saw the Texans play so soft that they gave uh, Drew Brees an opening to uh, at least create the opportunity for the win. And they got it. And good for the Saints to get one. But, again, everybody around Houston will be, all the Texans fans were, hey, we came close. We were right there. Look at what Deshaun did. Look what Hopkins did. And you look past some of the big, big deficiencies. They gave up six sacks. And if you want an example of what happens if you don't protect your quarterback, look in your division at Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is out of the game because he was beaten up. Now, you made the trade for Laramie Tunzel, but that rest of that offensive line is not where they need to be. And even with Laramie Tunzel, who got beat, you know, and somebody tried to say, well, hey, man, he's new. Hey, man, blocking is blocking. <laughs> you know, like like if, if you had that edge rusher, doesn't matter how much training camp you've been in. You got that edge rusher, and he got beat at a critical juncture. But, man, I'm telling you, man, Deshaun Watson, he makes up for a lot of mistakes that Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff, all the mistakes, a lot of the mistakes that they make because he's so special. He's so dynamic. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be a scapegoat, and I'm already starting to hear who the scapegoat is. It's going to be Romeo Crennel. Now, you get rid of Jadavion Clowney. J.J. Watt didn't do much yesterday. And, you know, now all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, Romeo Cornell's defense has to do blah, blah. Okay, watch. Listen. Listen. Observe. I'm telling you, that's what's going on. They're going to make a scapegoat, and it won't be Bill O'Brien. Although there are a lot of folks who are giving him the blues, and rightfully so. You have to – man, this guy is special. Deshaun Watson is amazing. And you – you're not you're not helping him, and you're squandering the last few years 
of J.J. Watt's prime, and you got rid of a guy that really could have helped him out, uh, Jadavion Clowney, who did work, by the way, for Seattle. And I, and I really think uh, long term, the Texans are going to miss uh, Jadavion Clowney in the run game. But let's go north on I-45, and I hate to say it, but the Dallas Cowboys looked good. They looked really, really good. And uh, I'll talk more, a little bit more about them, but uh, you have to look good against the Giants. I think they had five straight possessions where they scored a touchdown. So, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. And, and I want to get more into some NFL stuff. The Cleveland Browns laid an egg like I thought they would. I thought it would be a close game against Tennessee, but I thought Tennessee would jump up and get them. I mean, the hype has just been too – too much for a team that hasn't won anything. They haven't won anything yet, and but with all the new acquisitions, uh, and we'll hear more about the Browns in this episode. Hint, hint, Lamont Award. So uh, that's coming up. Uh, but uh, you know, rough, rough afternoon for them. I thought Eli Manning. I want to talk about. Well, I'll wait on Eli Manning because I have a new segment I want to uh, talk about with him. Uh, one who. Um, what else about the NFL? Oh, college football. I do want to talk about this LSU Texas thing? The, the debate over DBU. Well, there's no debate. Texas is DBU. They haven't been DBU, and under Tom Herman, they aren't. I, I don't know what they are. They're not that. And the LSU comes in. And the thing that just sort of sort of got me fired up and just tapped into my, my ignorance was the fact that LSU, uh, in the pregame, you know, they were beefing going back and forth. And so a couple of shirtless LSU players, this is early on in the warm-ups, go over. They're so disrespectful to the University of Texas that they go over and drink out of their water bottles. Now, I know this is contradictory to what I said earlier about being example, being an example to the kids. But I, I can tell you this. Had that happened to my team, I would have taken a sacrifice. I would have took the L for my team, and I would have swung on anybody with yellow and purple on that day. I mean, I would have been swinging on everybody. Of course, I would have got injected. Of course, I would have embarrassed the university. But I would have proven my point because sometimes when you're ignorant, the most important thing in that moment is being right and proving your point, even if you're 110% wrong. But they went over on the Texas sideline and drank Texas water. They, I mean – you know, now, uh, Texas, I will say this, Texas was shady. Now, uh, Ed Ogeron said that uh, there was no AC in the LSU locker room. Now, if Texas did that, that's that's low. That's dirty, man. In Texas, it had to be over 100-plus degrees in the locker room. You just, you can't do that. You, you, that's, that's bad. Now, I thought it was funny what they did to the band, sticking the band way up in the corner. And I also thought it was dirty. You only gave those guys 3,000 tickets. So there's no love lost between LSU and Texas. LSU wins that game. And, you know, I just, uh, Texas is frustrating because you want them to be, you want them to, to to ball out because they represent they're the 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 institution of record when it comes to college football. Yeah, you have I mean so many wonderful programs in Texas. Uh, you know, I mean including A and M, TCU. Uh, I mean you have all traditions at SMU and TCU and you know and Texas Tech and you know all of these schools. U of H, Heisman Trophy winner. You know all of those things. And you know, but you want Texas to win the big game because again it is sort of bragging rights you want them to beat the big schools from other states you want them to, i want them to beat oklahoma 
in everything. I want them to beat LSU in everything. I want them to beat. I want them to beat Alabama in everything. All the big state schools, because again, it's the reputation of of Texas football and Texas, you know, sort of the uh, the next level of Texas high school football, which I think is the best in the entire world. And that's not up for a lot of debate. Although Florida and California will will argue, but I'm telling you, man. It was tough to see them lose. Astros, after having some astronomical uh, offensive nights, took <laughs> took one on the chin from the Oakland A's. They returned the favor. I think tonight it was twenty to five or something. So uh, they're rolling right along. Worried about Wade Miley's production and uh, worried about a few injuries. But Verlander's rolling. Astros rolling. Life is good if you're a baseball fan here in Houston. Um, what else around the NFL? There are a number of things around the NFL. I'm going to talk more about those things in the next episode. We're going to try to do episodes on Thursdays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. I think that's what we're going to try to do. Maybe get into some fantasy stuff and hear from you guys as well. But next up, I'm going to a new segment that we call D Nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Since I am D-Wade, I decided I wanted to recognize guys who are just not nice, but D-nice. And this is my way of showing love to some folks where I can rapidly tell you who got off this weekend. Let me start with my guy. A guy I've been taking up for two years now, or maybe three years now, Eli Manning. Now, Eli Manning and the Giants lose 35-17, to but that doesn't matter because Eli got off. Eli had over 300 yards passing. He didn't have any interceptions, and he had a touchdown that was on 30 of 44 passing. Now, he was overshadowed by another guy who was D-nice, Dak Prescott, 25 of 32 for 405 yards and four touchdowns, four touchdowns. But D-nicer than all of those guys was Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson threw for five touchdowns. Count them. One, two, three, four, five touchdowns as the Ravens really roll over the worst team in all the football team. I don't think will win a game this season in the Miami Dolphins, who are clearly tanking. And this is the first time we've seen NFL teams in modern history that I can remember, probably maybe if I think back, uh, maybe in the 80s. But you clearly see this team tanking. But Lamar Jackson took advantage of that. 324 yards passing, five touchdowns. Another guy that was D-nice was Dalvin Cook, 21 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns. And another guy, hey, for the Cougars, actually for the Redskins, but former Cougar, 30 of 44, 380 yards, three touchdowns in a losing effort. My man Case Keenum was D-nice. So there's so many other guys that are nice, but I want to make sure we recognize those guys. You guys hit me up on the We The People segment, and you tell me. Or actually, give me a call, 832-941-6614, and you tell me who was D-Nice this week. Who were you uh, a big fan of? Who did work for you? Again, 832-941-6614. Now, 
with that, we want to wrap up the first half of the show when we come back after we hear a word from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, going to have a conversation with Coach Terry Sims. This is Briefcast 36 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and, of course, on KTSURadio.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Welcome back to Briefcast 36 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. That was DJ Anarchy in the mix. And if you want to hear more of that portion of his mix, you can wait to the conclusion of this show. And just a reminder, if you are a fledgling artist, if you are a rapper, DJ, a mixer, a, a a violinist if you play the tambourines and you are really mean on that and if you would uh, like us to play your music just hit me up at devin at wagewordproductions.com and get with me and we'll play a snippet of a song or mix at the halfway point and a larger portion or a complete song at the end of the show again that's devin at wagewordproductions.com coming up the lamont award and of course before i let go but first as promised a conversation with Bethune Cookman head football coach Terry Sims. Now, many in the TSU family will remember that he was an assistant under uh, Coach Bill Thomas back in the day and really was very popular among a lot of the TSU faithful, but had a chance to catch up with him. And this was just uh, as they were returning from Atlanta for the Swag Meak Challenge over Labor Day weekend. And all of their plans to come home were disrupted by Hurricane Dorian. So in the backdrop of all the stuff that was happening with Hurricane Dorian, which included a cancellation of last week's game against Southeast Louisiana, we had a chance to catch up with Coach Sims. And here is our talk with him about Texas Southern, the MEAC versus the SWAG, and uh, his own Bethune-Cookman Wildcats.
As promised, now joined by Bethune-Cookman head coach Terry Sims. Coach, uh, it's been a long time since your Texas Southern days. We followed you uh, continuously. First and foremost, how are you and the team doing in light of uh, all the circumstances surrounding Hurricane Dorian? Uh, we're, we're doing well. You know, we, we had a lot of assistance from um, Clark Atlanta University and uh, Georgia State University. We both were there uh, the last four days, just, you know, allowing us to lift weight, practice, eat, you know, in the facility. So we, can, we pretty much stayed uh, on our regular routine. I would imagine you would have to take on a role of more of than just a football coach, more of a father figure to guide these guys through this time. I'm sure a lot of anxiety with family members and still back in Daytona. Talk a little bit about the role you had to play during uh, sort of these circumstances. Well, I mean, that, that's a role that all of us play on a daily basis when you're dealing with as many young people as we deal with. So uh, really it was just a waste from Daytona, but it, it was not anything outside of the norm for this program. Now, how did that affect uh, sort of your preparation and your preparation moving forward with the rest of your season? I know that the game Saturday is canceled, but how did that affect you guys leading up to the Jackson State uh, game on Sunday? Well, it, it, it really didn't affect them. We, we, we keep them away from as much as possible. So they really didn't know any, any different until we got finished with the game and, and got back to the hotel and we just let them know that we would not be. So they didn't know until then. Now let's talk a little bit about the game. You guys came out scoreless first half, and your defense sort of took over in the second half. Talk about your defensive performance, two scores, and just really shutting down Jackson State in the second half. Talk a little bit about that performance. Well, you know, we had a lot, and I said it in a couple other interviews. I think we had uh, a lot of you know, really good plays called offensively. We just didn't execute the first half. Uh, that's all that was, and I think it was just due Two guys pressing, trying to make things happen. First game jitters, and, and you know, guys trying to find their way. Special teams wise, we had a, a, a few hiccups early on, but we had a lot of new guys playing on special teams, and just them getting used to actually playing the game. And you know, defensively, we went into the game, I think, with a great plan, and it was a little bit of them, but not breaking the first half. So we, we had a, a, a lot of guys doing a lot of positive things uh, in the first half. We just need to put some points on the board. And I think that's what really happened in the second half. When we came back out and, and the guys were settled down a little bit and they knew that they could play football with these guys. I want to ask you about the return of Akevius Williams. Coming back from injury, how do you assess his performance uh, as the leader of this team at the quarterback position? I think he, he did an outstanding job. I'm not going to say he's there yet. But he's worked hard all spring and all summer, not just with his injury, but on his mental game and, and, and taking more command of the offense. So he did a great job on, on Sunday as far as getting us in the plays we need to be in, getting us lined up and just executing the offense. Want to ask you about the preseason? You guys are, are highly heralded in the MEAC and, and sort of uh, looked at as the giant killers and to upset North Carolina A and T. What do you think about the buzz around your team? You seem to be the the hot team, a lot of popularity in picking you guys. Talk a little bit about the expectations on this team. Well, I think you know our expectations are always high. I, I think they all they're, they're always high, and we we keep them that way because we're not going to settle for being a middle-of-the-road team, and we're not going to settle for being a second-place team. 
we're not, we're not going to put ourselves in the championship game today. We're going to take them one game at a time and prepare for them one game at a time and, you know, take it from there. Now, I know you guys had the high-profile opener with the Swag Act Challenge, and then you have a game coming up against uh, University of Miami. Talk a little bit about those high-profile games and what they do for your program. Uh, are you able to keep your guys, uh, their heads in the game? I mean, I know it's easy with all the pomp and circumstance to get caught up. How do you keep those guys level-headed in these big-game situations? Well, you know, we, we don't look at them as big games. We just look at them as games, and that's the way we approach them. We're, we're not going – going to it saying, you know, it's a TV game or we're playing this school or, or, or this team and, you know, they have this going on and that going on. We don't do that. We, we prepare for every team the same. And I think when you do that, you keep your routine the same, you keep your preparation the same. You don't have that to worry about. Coach, I want to sort of shift gears here before we get out of here. I want to ask you about your TSU days, your Texas Southern days. Of course, I have some fond memories of those teams in those years. When you sort of look back, and I know being a head coach, it's hard to have time to reflect, but when you are able to reflect, what do you think about those days at Texas Southern and what they did for you in your coaching career? Well, you know, I, number one, I, I worked for a great man at TSU, and Coach Thomas taught me a lot about being a head coach and about running a program and, and just, you know, the way you, you treat people and develop relationships on campus to, to make it. At, at a university or at the university level, being the head coach and uh, being able to run a successful program. For a long time, your name with the football folks and the people sort of behind the scenes, your name kept coming up as a potential candidate. How close did you ever get to becoming the, the Texas Southern head football coach? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a trick question? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've had a, a, a few discussions with some folks, but I don't think anything ever materialized from it. You know, I had a great time there at Texas Southern. I love the city of Houston. You know, but it was something that, you know, it was talks. You know, and nothing else happened. And it was, you know, I know a lot of people were, were saying different things, but it, it was nothing more than a conversation. Now, you've been in the, the SWAC and the MEAC. What do you say to, is the biggest difference from a football standpoint between the SWAC and the MEAC and, and your experience in both? Well, I mean, I, they're, they're both great leagues. I, I think, you know, there's a, a, a difference a little bit in the leagues as far as, I guess, the, the, the style of play. And, and the SWAC, you know, you're definitely going to have more guys just throwing the ball around and, and, and it's pass heavy. It's a big play league. So uh, you, you have to be on your, your toes with that at all times. The MEAC is, I think, a more balanced attacks and, and things that you, you have to do for any and everything. And, you know, I think that the, the coaching in both leagues is, is outstanding. A lot of great athletes in both. That was seen on, on Sunday. Now, I know that, of course, uh, the bullseyes on North Carolina A&T, but how do you assist your entire league for the 2019 campaign as you look around and sort of uh, see who's back and see what's going on around you in the league. How do you assess the rest of the league? Uh, you know, that, that's a that's a real, really, really heavy question because that's another thing. In this conference, you're going to be in a dogfight every weekend. And every time you line up and play, you know, I don't think you can say that there's a pushover in, in this league or, or 
anyone that you, you don't have to be prepared for in this league because everyone has something that they, they hang their head on, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, and they're going to have their edge in the game. And the, the, the coaching, I said earlier, is really good in this league. And, you know, you have a lot of great athletes in this league, so it can go any way on any day. Going back to the Texas Southern days, when you think about the young men that you were able to coach then, I mean, some great athletes from Santino to Oliver Celestine, do you keep in touch with those guys? And what do those relationships mean to you? Because those guys, I mean, obviously they uh, matured quite a bit since then. How how are those relationships? Oh, I, yeah, I keep in touch with, with all my guys. Or they keep in touch with me. <laughs> they, they follow they follow me wherever I go. Uh, we definitely stay in contact. And whenever I'm in one, whatever city any of them are living in, we always get together for, you know, lunch or dinner or whatever. So, I stay in touch with those guys because I think, you know, we had special relationships there. And, you know, I had a lot of guys that, that went on to play football at the next level there and had great careers. So being able to do that and being able to see how these guys have developed into great men, you know, great fathers and husbands, and you know, they're, they're just positive people in their communities right now. So, you know, it, that, that's something that always makes me feel good. And, Coach, before I let you go, you talked about Clark uh, University stepping up, and you've been in a, th- a lot of the, the thoughts and prayers of a lot of folks around the country because you guys are right in the bullseye of Hurricane Dorian. Have other coaches from other programs reached out to you guys during this time? Because, again, this is more than football. This is about the safety and well-being of your families, your student-athletes, and your personal families. Yeah, I mean, outside of just, you know, our league or, or – you know, black college football in itself. I think between text messages and, and calls, I received over, you know, 130 messages from people just being concerned and offering their, their, their prayers and, and whatever help that they can give us, you know, during this time. So it's definitely greatly appreciated. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for taking up time. I know this is an immensely busy time for you. I just want to make sure that you guys know that we're thinking of you. And as I told Coach Fagan, hey, I know I I called a lot to try to arrange this interview, and I was going to wait to the celebration bowl to visit with you again later on in the season. Let's hope that uh, that happens for us. I hope so. I I hope to be talking to you there. Hey, thanks a lot, Coach. We certainly appreciate it. Want to thank Coach Sims for uh, a interesting conversation. Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to talk to him before the Celebration Bowl. Of course, because of his Texas Southern ties, uh, we always root for him. I'm going to root for him. He was a good guy when he was here. A lot of the players loved him. I talked to one of his former players, Chris Caldwell, said, hey, he should have gotten the job to take over for Bill Thomas. Didn't go that way. But nonetheless, he landed on his feet, and he's doing quite well in the MEAC at Bethune-Cookman. Now, they are making some noise yet again in that conference. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the big dummy of the episode. Now, I still have LeBron in the queue. He, I had that one in the chamber, and maybe you can figure out why. Maybe you can't, but I had that one coming up. But this time out, it's uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Now, let me tell you this. Now, sometimes you, you investigate stories, and you delve into them, and, and you want to get to the nitty-gritty. You read all the articles. You get into it. So when you make somebody the big dummy, you understand clearly why that person is the big dummy 
Well, with this story, I'm not going to do that. I didn't do that. I didn't follow up. I didn't look at the stories. I just saw the headlines. And sometimes the headlines are enough. Here's the deal. Odell Beckham, who is tremendous, who, I mean, is above reproach as a football player. Not really, but for the sake of the Lamont Award, we'll say he is. So he goes out, and of course, it's all excitement in Cleveland. In Cleveland, it's about everything. You have Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry. You have Njoku. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Miles Garrett. You have uh, Kareem Hunt coming in a few uh, few weeks. So, I mean, everything is good. A brand new coach, brand new attitude. If you want to crown him, as the, in the words of Delaney Walker, who was quoting the late great Dennis Green, if you want to crown him, you can crown him. But nonetheless, so one of the crowned ones, one of the chosen ones, uh, Odell Beckham decided he was going to wear jewelry onto the field. So, okay, you decide, all right, I'm going to rock a watch. I'm going to wear a watch onto the field. But I'm not going to wear a little Timex. I'm not going to wear some. I'm not going to wear a timepiece to maybe judge my steps or something, a bit, a Fitbit or something. I'm going to wear a, what was initially reported as a $250,000 watch. And, but, again, I didn't delve into the story. I, I Because some stories just, I mean, it's about, it, they just, it's right there. You don't even have to really delve into it to understand the stupidity of it. So, okay, you wear a not not a $250,000 watch. You wear a $190,000 watch onto the football field. Now, I know a lot of people have never been onto the football field, but some bad things happen on football fields. Things get broken in body parts, mangled and mashed. You have equipment that's torn up. You have people get hurt on football fields. It goes without saying. And, you know, you are jeopardizing this $190,000 watch. But he's not a big dummy for that. He's not a big dummy for that at all. He is a big dummy because the watch is $190,000 and it's made of plastic. Hear me again. It's made of plastic. So now, okay, the NFL has a rule. No, they don't have a rule prohibiting jewelry. They have a rule prohibiting hard objects. So uh, his explanation, his explanation, his defense for this is to say, well, it's plastic. So this is why you are a big dummy. You are a big dummy because a watch that is $190,000 is plastic. Now, I don't give a damn what plastic it is. I don't care if Mother Teresa went into the mill and made it. I don't, I don't care who did it, how they did it, where they did it. If it took a baby unicorns to provide all of the manpower or the horsepower uh, to make this plastic watch, I cannot imagine wearing a 190,000 plastic, a $190,000 plastic watch. That is ridiculous to me. I don't. I, I know there was somebody's name on it. It's, it's some designer. That's his name on the watch. I don't care. It. it I don't care what his name. Or, look, if his name isn't Jesus, I'm not rocking a hundred and ninety thousand dollar plastic watch. And not only that. So you say you're not gonna change. That is no big deal. But see, you are the kind of cat. That makes the league make rules. Now, I've been there. I've been on jobs where I have made them make rules for me. 
because I found my opening to exploit. And I, and, and if not made them enforce rules, I have made them redefine and specify rules. And that's what Odell Beckham did. But I don't care about all of that. I don't care where to watch, don't wear to watch. I'm tripping, and I've not done any research on the watch. Maybe it's made on the moon. I don't know. But I just know that the headline is $190,000 plastic watch. And for that reason, Odell Beckham, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> now, Odell, you can wear whatever jewelry you want to wear and break it and tear it and do whatever you want to do. It's your money. You earned it. Uh, it's hard-earned, but you made it happen, so good for you. Uh, but look for that new NFL rule, barring jewelry. That's that's coming in the offseason. The competition committee will get on that uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to thank Coach Terry Sims. Want to remind you, I have a new segment coming up. Uh, it's called Have a Nice Day. Now, that's where you get a chance to root for whoever you want to root for. And uh, we have some nice, a nice little background music for you. So give us a call, 832-941-6614. And you tell us who you would like to have a nice day. And also tell me who was D-Nice this last weekend or whatever else you want to comment on again 832-941-6614 in addition to that please go to wadeswordproductions.com wadeswordproductions.com also don't forget to check us out on ktsuradio.com and of course ktsu sports talk each and every saturday with yours truly the legend ralph cooper and the silver fox kevin allen uh have the gear coming up it's coming it's coming it's coming i have it i have some i haven't posted it yet but i have some t-shirts and i'll have some other stuff as well and uh, again Email me, sign up for the email list, go on to the website, interact, uh, go in and check it out and see if you like it and see uh, what you think. We're going to try to have another podcast up uh, this week, Thursday or Saturday, uh, either or, but nonetheless, we will be more frequent in our uh, our episodes as uh, football season progresses, and whatever else you want to talk about, we certainly will. And as always, have a nice day. DJ and I feel
You're the talent, I'm stuck in the desert You're the talent, I like paper 